Welcome to The Real Deal with Jen Costa, your podcast for all things spiritual, where I take you along on my journey through life, and we talk about mediumship, all things woo, and everything in between. Let's get started. This episode is about intuitive kids, and I thought this was really important to talk about as it feels like it's less spoken about in the community and myself being an intuitive person, I happen to have also an intuitive child. And I've also been able to work with some intuitive kids and I thought whatever my experiences maybe could be helpful to you. So we'll jump right in. I took a ton of notes on this so I wouldn't miss anything because there was so much as I looked back in my own life and my daughter's in my experience. So I'm only speaking from experience. Uh, These are things that I have experienced or someone else has experienced and spoken to me about, but directly worked with me on. These aren't like people telling me stories. The first question I often get from parents or just in general, people want to know like, why are kids so open like to the woo, right? Why are these kids intuitive and having experiences, whether it's their feeling spirits or seeing fairies or whatever their experience may be. Why them? Why now? And I think there's many reasons for this. One, kids haven't been conditioned by our society yet. I live in North America and here in the United States, we have a tendency to believe, I think the overall thought is that this is weird stuff. Ghosts are weird. Ghosts are scary. You know, it's anything but normal. Hollywood perpetuates this, you know? Like, you ask anyone about ghosts and things, and it's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. That's scary. But it's actually more common, I feel like, than people may know. But because it's not talked about, it feels, like, strange. Especially giving our history with I mean, where I live in Massachusetts, Salem, like we had the Salem witch trials, like this stuff goes way back. And I'm sure even back before that. But so why kids? Again, North America, not the most open. So we think it's weird. So why not kids really is the question. Maybe it's more more the question should be why, why are you adults not picking up on this? Why are we not tapping in to this? But Kids also can be, they're so open, right? If you've ever been around kids, there's like, as adults, we tend to lose that childlike wonder, that childlike experience that the world can like be anything, that it is magical because we get into our culture or society tells us, you know, what we should be, how things are, things are tough, things are you know, we need to work a job, nine to five, all these things. And kids don't have that restriction set on them. And because they don't have that set on them, they're walking around like, hey, the world is great. Like they look at a flower way differently than we look at flowers. They're like, this is magical, right? I remember seeing my daughter when she was little and the wind blew in her face and she was under one. She was not one years old at the time. She was like eight, nine months, maybe. In a cold wind blew and the look on her face was like, oh my God, that was the best feeling in the world. And I just thought, wow, she 
I take this for granted. Like it's nothing like the wind. I'm thinking, oh, it's cold. I better put my jacket on. And she's like, you could just see her experiencing that and feeling it and being in the moment and smiling because of it. Like we lose that wonder as adults. So these kids are basically walking around. You could say like light bulbs in the night, like little lights walking around, clueless kind of, and having these wild experiences. And not every child will have these experiences. I don't think every person in the world is meant to have these mind-blowing, weird experiences. (laughs) Not even weird, but different, right? And I don't know if everyone came here to have these experiences. But that's a whole nother podcast, right? Why do we all come here? But it varies. And in kids' experiences and what they experience here while they're here, whether they have this or not, whether they are like my daughter and have experiences very young or like me, don't really have these experiences, but can look at stuff and realize I realized things when I was young, but not have an actual like, I didn't see a ghost till I was like 37. Like, right. I wasn't asking for that. (laughs) It happened. Maybe I did ask for it. I don't know. But so I had it at 37. Why did my daughter have like experiences at five and younger? I don't have an answer. There is no answer. We will probably never know the answer. But again, kids and adults are very different. Kids are so open, so childlike. So they have that sense of wonder. They play make-believe. Like they make stuff up and it's that world they're living in. So they are way more open and connected than we realize. So I'm going to talk about my daughter now. And I did talk to her about recording this episode to ask her permission that I could share stories to try and help other parents and other kids who may have had experiences. And she said, yes, she was okay with that. And she's 11 years old right now. But I did think it was important to ask her for permission to share that. She she kind of looked at me when I asked her, like, yeah, why not? Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, sure, it can help other kids. But to her, this is all normal now. So I guess I've normalized it. But it wasn't normalized for me as a kid because no one really talked about anything. So when my daughter was young, when she was a baby, literally baby, I'm talking under one, you know, bottles and all that stuff, she would cry when other babies would cry. Now you're probably like, yeah, uh, all babies do that. But this was different. And this was just one small piece of like the puzzle that I'm able to look back on and put together. So a lot of these things are going to be small nuances that you might notice over time in your child and be like, wait, as I put the puzzle pieces together, this is starting to form a picture that I'm starting to wonder, is this my kid? Is this what they're experiencing? Right? So my daughter would cry when other babies would cry. But as soon as these babies would stop immediately, I'm talking the second they stopped, she would stop and she would be fine and go on like nothing happened. And to me, she was so empathetic, like she could feel these kids like so deeply that she, she just, she didn't know. She didn't have words. She couldn't speak. And because of that, I was like, huh, so I'd watch her on other babies. And then eventually got to the point where I was like, oh, and the parents would be like, oh, I'm, oh, she's so upset. I'm sorry. And I would say, it's fine. Just get your kid to stop crying. And then mine will literally the moment their child stopped, she stopped. So that was like clue number one for me. As she got a little older, around five to six years old, she had 
a lot of anxiety, I realized. A lot of worries and a lot of sensitivity to sounds. So I ended up having her tested um, with a neuropsychologist to get a neurodevelopmental evaluation to try and see like how I could help her, right? And eventually, once I got the report and read it, they basically said she could probably benefit from some occupational therapy, which she had a lot of physical sensory issues at the time. She was very sensitive to clothing, to sounds, um, to change, and she also had uh, a lot of anxiety. So we did do the Boston University CARD program, which is the Center for Anxiety-Related Disorders. And we went through a whole program there, which was super helpful with her anxiety. Looking back, like everything is like tied together. There's This is never like an easy, straightforward, this is what's happening. It's always like multiple things involved. So with her anxiety and with her sensory issues, you could also call her a highly sensitive person at the time, right? So I even looked up like what's a highly sensitive person? Because that's like a term you'll probably hear a lot that is like okay to use in the community, right? Anxiety, highly sensitive person, occupational therapy are all things that we're okay with. They've been normalized by our society. So a highly sensitive person is very in tune with their environment. They're deeply empathetic, intuitive, and they're good at reading others. They're highly observant, they're thoughtful and intentional. And then they think about process and feel things deeply. And I was like, oh yeah, I was one of those too. This makes sense. But how it showed up for her as this highly sensitive, anxious, you know, kid, was groups. Groups were very difficult for her, and that included birthday parties. So as a five-year-old, she wants to go to the birthday party, but then has a really hard time doing it because large groups were overwhelming for her. And singing happy birthday, we would have to leave these parties because the noise from all these kids singing happy birthday, which is, you know, not scary. There's nothing like wild about it. We would have to leave the room because the sensory input for her was too overwhelming. She couldn't regulate. Fire alarms were another thing in school. Surprise fire alarms were not good. She would instantly burst into tears. And then loud sounds also, um, such as like muskets at the parades. So we live in uh, Massachusetts. So we have a lot of colonial style parades and dudes marching around with old muskets firing and playing like, what do you call it? The drums and like the flutes. So they're always in the darn parades around here. So I was like, oh, great, here we go. And we'd have to like either wear headphones or not attend parades because it would instantly bring her to tears. And she also would worry, have these big worries, like, and feel things deeply. Like she would worry about the world. If she heard anything like about animals like dying or being um, endangered, like forget it. The world was like, it was so sad. Like it really like hit her hard. Because of her anxiety and occupational therapy, one of the things I tried to do also was, I was like, hey, we'll do meditations, right? We'll start learning meditation. Now she's five years old and I had just started my own mediumship journey and we're sitting in bed one night and I was like, oh, there's Tony Stockwell. He's a well-known medium from the UK and he had actually recorded a meditation album for his kids so they could listen to him while he was away on... Um, tours because he would do mediumship and do tours and I was like oh this is perfect what else better could we use for meditation and I listened to it with her and so we're laying in her bed one night and she's like five or six years old and I'm like just deep breathe 
and we're listening to his meditation and it is nothing wild. It's not like walking you through any kind of like, you know, winter wonderland or any woods. It is like you're in your room, you're like relaxed. It is like you wouldn't think anything of it. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden I hear sniffles and I look over at her and I'm like, are you crying? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what, what is happening? And I'm like, Oh God, what's I, I mean, I just wanted to get you to sleep. Right. And she's like, I saw your dad and he was, you know, not alive. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And she goes, I saw your, your Grammy. And so now I'm like asking her questions and she just holds her hand up and she's like, stop. She goes, give me a piece of paper. And I'll draw it. And I'm like, Oh, okay thinking that where did that come from? So she literally draws the scene and literally tells, I'm like, what is this? Tell me about it. And basically she drew a person who was my grandmother and it was at my mom's house and she was in a wheelchair at the time. And she's like, yeah, I was in the mirror and you were playing cards with your grandmother and she was sad. And it was just like, she drew my grandmother's glasses and I was just floored. And I I had been doing this, right? I had been doing mediumship readings and I didn't even know what to say. I was floored myself. So if you have a kid and you're experiencing things, I get it. Like I do this and it still can floor you, okay? So go easy with yourself. So she says that and I'm like, okay, great. I guess we're not listening to those meditations anymore. And like, sorry, love Tony Stockwell, but he was all done. Like (laughs) no more in that house when she was five. So you never know, like, right, what they're, what they're going to experience. So um, that is one tip. If you have someone who's new to this, do not have them meditate because of that reason until they get a grip on things. Other signs that made me realize that my daughter was intuitive, right? And we're not calling her a little medium because she's not. She's not doing what I'm doing, but she is in touch with more things than most adults are, right? She can read people like a book, like teachers, friends strangers. And I'll ask her sometimes like, Hey, what do you think of this person? Or what do you think of this teacher? And sometimes she's like, meh, like I'm not a fan. And then I'll meet them. And I'm pretty intuitive myself. Like this is what I used to do. I mean, I was a cop. I can read people like in three seconds. So when she tells me like, eh, I'm not a huge fan. I'll talk to her after. And I'm like, yeah, I met them. I know what you mean. And I don't really have the verbal words sometimes to explain, but I mean, I can now, but I'm like, she's absolutely right. Like there's something I can, I can feel what she's feeling with that, with that person. She also always had a deep connection to animals. She loves animals, cats, even dogs, you name it. She just loves animals. I remember another time when she was about six years old and we were sitting on the couch and she looked over and said something to me and I can't remember what it was, but I was like, my first thought was those words should not be coming out of a six-year-old. Those are some wise ass words. Like you just spit some serious wisdom, you know, over at me. And I remember just looking at her in shock and not knowing what to say. And then she just went on playing like nothing happened. So like there might be little signs as you go about (laughs) your life that you can put together and think about to like try and figure this all out and be like, is my kid intuitive? Is this what's happening? 
And a lot of parents, I feel like, don't talk about it. And there's probably more going on than they actually realize. Another thing with her was sleeping. So sleeping at night wasn't necessarily an issue, but she didn't like the dark. Now, I think a lot of kids don't like the dark, right? I don't like the dark. But it also helped to put little strands of lights in her room. We had little battery-powered ones, so we didn't have to plug anything in. And I would just put those on every night, and that would help her sleep. Like, she did not like it. And I was like, that's fine. If that's what's going to help you sleep and your room needs to be bright, then, like, normal, that's fine. At least you'll sleep. So when we talk about kids and, like, psychic, there are, like, TV shows or even intuitive kids, right? I think a lot of people don't even like to label it intuitive kids because it comes with this whole, you're a psychic, and that has this whole, like, Hollywood like category to it and kind of meaning that isn't necessarily needed to be placed on it and when I was looking around for like information on kids and like dealing with intuitive kids or kids who might be seeing things and experiencing things I came across them I was like let me see what's on like tv for them there are any shows or anything and I came across the psychic kids show and so I watched a few episodes and I knew I wasn't going to be a fan because Anything to be on TV, right, has to be interesting. If you recorded my life all day, you would be bored out of your mind. You'd be like, you're boring. I'm not watching this. So they need ratings, right? However they make money, they need to have an interesting show. And that needs to have all kinds of like entertainment value, I guess. So whether that means sensationalism, like hyping things up, crazy music, that's how they make their money. So I'm not a huge fan of them. They are out there. However, I watched it and what I realized was the parents of these kids were just looking for connection. They were looking to see that their kids weren't crazy. To see, hey, are there is there anyone out there that I can connect with so I feel less alone in this experience, right? And that's my hope with this, that you feel less alone, that it's not such a strange thing that kids deal with or experience. And... Really, when you talk about intuitive kids and like even psychic and mediumship and all that stuff, it's usually not this like slap you in the face kind of experiences. It's usually subtle energy. It's not in like neon lights. It's like someone barely changed the dimmer on the switch. You know what I mean? It's super subtle, but it can affect your life, right? Because we're not used to it. We're not taught in our society how to deal with it, how to navigate our kids through it. Some of us have never even been through it. I'm lucky enough where I had my own experiences just prior to my daughter having experiences. So how do you help your kid? What can you do as a parent if you're having a kid who's having intuitive experiences? Whatever that may be. One, my first thing is always get them checked for mental health. I am not a doctor. I will not say, oh, your kid's a psychic. You're fine. Your kid's a medium. Don't worry about it. I don't know. There are things I don't know about mental health. And maybe there's a mental health issue. Maybe there's not. But that is definitely something to hold of equal weight. But if if you feel one way or the other, don't rule out either one. Just be open. So that's the first thing I will say. Always get that checked. Second, you're, if anyone ever tells you, if you ever, and here's the thing, it's, you don't, you can't control people, right? There are good doctors, there are doctors you might not like as much, the ones that you think give great advice, or ones that you've probably had give not great advice. Same thing with mediums. If you end up going to a medium or anyone 
in that realm or calls them whatever they want to call themselves. And they say your kid's like cursed. I don't know. Maybe they're cursed, but it's not something I believe in. Okay. So I'm not going to say that curses aren't a thing because I don't know, maybe they are, but in my experience, I've never had one. Okay. I'm all like down to earth. I believe like be a good person. Don't be a jerk. Like love and light and you're good. So if anyone tells you, you need, you need this cure, you need to do, you know, all these crazy things, or you need these gems and you need to pay for this, like to fix your kid, to get them better. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I would question it now. Like if you're like, Oh, they need an exorcist. I don't know. That's like way beyond. I'm not talking that kind of stuff. I'm just talking your kids, like having some little funky experiences. All right. I'm not talking exorcisms and things. So like, say I was working with a kid and I was like, Hey, I give you this little stone and say, it's like, I don't know, like rose quartz, which is supposed to be like a healing crystal. I don't know much about crystals because it's not my jam. I don't do it. I just kind of like live my life and that's good. Right. (laughs) But if I was like to give them an actual like crystal or to say, Hey, take a salt bath, you know, put some Himalayan salt or Epsom salt in a bath and go take one. It'll help clear your energy. The reason I do that or would say to do that is because it gives them a tangible way that they can touch to feel like they have control over something that is not tangible. So I'll give you a rock or like a crystal and say, you hold this and you whatever have the, and when you do it, you say like a prayer or have the intention that my energy is healing or my energy is cleared Because if you don't, and I just say, all right, I want you to, you know, think in your mind that your energy is clearing versus holding an actual object that feels even different when I say it. So to give kids the power back, which is a lot about power, right? When you're learning about this stuff and it's overwhelming to give them the power back and the control with something they can touch to deal with something they can't see. And the same thing for adults, Same thing. We use sage, we use Palo Santo, we use whatever we use. I have sprays. Do they actually do anything? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I'm not a scientist. I'm not about to go look it up, but I do it because it gives me something tangible. It gives me, it, it brings some like, almost like, I don't know, sacredness to it. Maybe that's not even the right word. It brings something to it that I can touch and physically do in a world that I'm connecting with that I cannot see. So especially with kids, it's going to help give them some more control. Another thing you can do with kids, ask them if they've ever seen anything. You could say different. You could say if they've ever felt anything or if they've experienced anything. You could even say if you've ever seen a, a ghost or have you ever talked to, you know, imaginary friend who wasn't there and see what they say and let them talk. Now, my daughter's 11 and if I ask too many questions, shut down. Like if you ask one question, you get shut down. So I just kind of listen. So depending on the age of the child, they may tell stories. They may say nothing. Um, Also with the younger ones, you have to be aware of discerning between them telling tall tales because they love to tell tall tales when they're little and what actually might be happening. Another thing you can do is to keep an eye on your animals. So if your kids are sensing things, most likely your animals are also. So if you see like your dog staring in a corner or your cat, like 
looking at something in a strange place when there's nothing there, there might be something to that. So just keep an eye out. And if you ask your kids about it, don't be surprised if they say, yeah, this has been going on for years. And you're like, what? And you haven't told me? You have to remember, they didn't know, one, that everyone doesn't experience this, that this is not the usual. It's been their normal for years. I asked my daughter on this for any tips and things. And I remember her telling me about seeing a girl in our bathroom. And I'm like, what? Why didn't you tell me? And she goes, eh, she wasn't bothering me. It was fine. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, there shouldn't be a girl like chilling in the bathroom with you. Like, and she was seeing this, like, I think she said with her eyeballs, right? Because I always ask to differentiate in your eyeball, with your eyeballs or like in your mind, because there is a difference. So seeing with your eyeballs versus me saying, see the red fire hydrant in your mind. Do you see it? Okay. It's always good to ask them how they see it. But yeah, my daughter just like brushed it off like it was no big deal. So again, she was like, well, it wasn't bothering me. Why would I tell you? And I'm like, ah, cause that's wild, right? Like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what to do with this. So now if they also tell you, try not to be dismissive. Try not to say oh, that's not real and this and that, because guess what? It might be. Just listen. Remember that they are having an experience that you maybe have not had. And it's taken me years to understand and accept this and to work with it. So you have to be able to give yourself and them time to work with this because it can be very overwhelming. It literally took me years to accept this and be okay with it and be like, all right, this is it. Also, developmentally, it may be really hard for them to understand. It's such a huge concept, even for adults to grasp. Think of their age, whatever age they're having this experience at or any experiences at. And just think of like developmentally how hard it is for you to even grasp this because it's not something that you can like easily digest. Now, if they're worried, let them know they're safe as long as you feel they're safe. I believe most of the experiences we have are good. I have not run into people who have had bad ones. I'm sure they're out there or scary experiences. I cannot speak to those. But if you feel like, oh, this is okay, it's just a conversation you need to have to find out more information with them. You can also look for a medium. You can look for one in your local area, feel them out. If you are like, I don't know who else to talk to. You can message me on Instagram, send me an email, any way you want to reach out. If you don't want to work with me, or if you're like, I don't know, I want to do, you know, meet someone in person. I can try and find someone in your area to help you out because it can be very overwhelming, right? Especially even as the parent, even if you just want to talk to the medium yourself. Another thing to do is possibly have them talk to a therapist. Now, This is like, can go either way, right? There's pros and cons. If you can vet therapists um, and talk to them beforehand and kind of get their feel on this experience and whether one, they believe it or not, and two, they could work with them if they believe it or not, because straight up some therapists are going to be like, yeah, that's not real. Now, my partner is a psychologist and well, she has a very different perspective, I'm sure, than some others. We have conversations about this all the time. So if you went to her, obviously, she would be like, oh, 
this is not weird. And we've even had conversations where she's like, well, I know what spirit guides are because of you. So when someone mentioned it, it wasn't that strange to me. So one, I'm happy to help, but there are ones out there who will believe just like, just like anyone, right? People believe this. Some people do, some don't. You can also look around you and find a metaphysical shop. You can go in, ask them, talk to them about it. There'll be mediums there. There'll be people there. They might have kids groups. I don't know of many. I don't know of any around, but you also, when you do it, if they recommend someone, talk to them first, get a feel of the people. If they feel right, go with it. If they don't, don't find someone else. Just like, again, like doctor shopping or therapist shopping, you go with who feels right to you. Trust that. Don't just go because people recommend them and they say, oh no, he's the best. He fixed this or she fixed this. You have to go with what feels right to you. So now I'm going to talk about tools, actual physical tools that you can use as a parent with your kid, right? So say they're having these experiences and they don't like them. So the first thing you can do is you set boundaries just like you do with adults or people in your life, right? We set boundaries of this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. So say they were having visitations in their room, right? Or something like that. Say they're seeing a spirit and they don't want to, or they're feeling one and they don't want to. They want it to go away. All you have to do is set, and it sounds like, right? All you have to do, Jen, seriously? But no, it takes practice and it takes consistency. But you have to say, I do not want whoever this person is to be here anymore. You're not allowed to come into my energy or contact me. And when you do that, you just have to keep doing it. So you do it like daily. And know that in my experience, the intention of the spirit world has never been to scare. It's never been to be mean. It's never meant to be cruel. In my experience, I will not speak for anything else than that. They just want to communicate. And how they communicate is just new to us. It's different. It, we can feel things we don't feel as a human. Like we feel when I feel spirit, it feels different than any other human interaction that I've ever had in my life. And that's the only way to describe it because it has no words that you can actually describe it. But it is not a human-induced feeling. So know that that new feeling can feel scary because it's new and unfamiliar. Now I feel things, I don't think twice about it. So another thing they can do is, um, you can do this anytime before you're going to go out to meet a group or just in general for the day before you leave your house or before they go to sleep at night. Um, you zip up your bubble. You pretend there's a large bubble around them and you tell them, pick your favorite color or what color do you want the bubble to be, right? Give them options and choices so they have some control. And then you say, okay, say it's pink. Okay, your pink bubble's up. Now, I'm going to give you a kiss goodnight. You give him a kiss and you say, okay, you zip the bubble up and that's your energy bubble. And like your energy stays in there and no other energy can come in to bother you or do anything. Not even mama's energy unless you, you know, unzip it and you say you zip it up and then you sleep nice and, you know, snug in there and their energy stays in there. It doesn't get out and no energy comes in. So you can do that if you're going to like large parties. You can do it if you're going to a soccer game. You can do it at any point. You can do it on their way to school. And that practice of doing that, the consistency is important with it because the consistency will allow them to at one point not have to do it. Another thing you can try is um, getting a spray from like a metaphysical shop or making your own at home, 
right? You can go there and you can get a clearing spray. So say the kid feels overwhelmed and anxious or is not liking what's happening. And again, it's not the spray that's doing it. It's the intention of the spray and it's the control being brought back to the kid. And you spray around them and you just say, you know, our intention is we're clearing your energy and they may actually feel lighter. They may not, they may feel nothing, but again, it's just tools that you can try and use to help them if they're worried or anxious about this or trying to get a hold of what the heck is happening. When I've talked to younger kids, it's always, it's also been helpful to them because this can feel like a burden to them and overwhelming and like, what the hell, I don't want this, that you can use it to actually add to your life. You can use it in ways that are helpful and like not scary. And that sometimes, and like, how, how are those, what are those ways, right? You can have a connection with animals. You could actually have discussions with animals, or maybe they read the animal's body language. Maybe it's dogs, maybe it's cats, maybe it's horses, maybe it's something else that they're into. They can have a deeper connection with it. You can listen to trees. You can touch a tree and you can feel the energy on the tree. So even on the dirt, on the grass, like you can feel things that like connect you more to the environment. And that's just some of the small things. As they get older, there are different ways that you can use this to your advantage. So nighttime, again, ritual and routine is very helpful. Lights. Uh, my daughter still sleeps with a Himalayan salt lamp. She used to always have string lights around her room lit up, like three sets of them. Thing was lit up like Christmas in there. And um, we would always zip up her bubble at night. So now I asked like my daughter, like what helps you now and things. And there are just some things for her that are just normal. She'll do meditations with me to help alleviate her anxiety when she now can verbalize, hey, I'm, my belly feels funny. I'm worried about this. So we'll do meditations. And it does. It helps calm her down in the moment. She actually, her on her own, I left my card oracle cards around. I don't have many card decks, not really hugely into that, but I have like one or two and I left them on the table because I wasn't cleaning up and just went on my day. And she looked at me one morning and was like, she's nodding over to them. And I'm like, what? And she wouldn't use her words. And I was like, do you want a card? And so now she was like, yeah. And so now every day we just do a card pull for the day. And I read a card for her and I apply it to her day, which most like most of the time is her going to school. And it seemed to help. And now that she like, she sees that as a positive in her day. So it doesn't have to be all crazy and scary. She, we also use spray sometimes if she's had a tough day um, or she's in a bad mood and I'll be like, hey, do you want some spray? And she's like, actually, yeah, I do. So we both use it. She also loves rocks and crystals and she collects them like, oh my God, it's out of control, but she connects with those. And as far as like my experience, I didn't have these experiences as a child. However, I was definitely a highly sensitive kid. So I had all those things I talked about in the beginning and I didn't have my first big, oh my gosh, what the hell is happening experience until I was like 36 or 37 when I saw an apparition in my room, right? hello, wake up call. But I always had this deep connection with horses. I was probably like eight years old and I would just go in there and I could feel them. Like they were just, I could feel their souls. Looking back, realizing that's what I was doing. But as a kid, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I loved being around them and it just felt so good. And I would just go into the stall with the horses and just sit there with them and like pet them. And 
they were cool with it, <laughs> thankfully. But it just was like this immense, deep love and connection with them. I was also a highly sensitive kid, but super shy, which I realized now I had a ton of anxiety, which wasn't diagnosed then. Even from realizing all these things about myself, I realized so much more about my daughter. I was extremely empathetic as a kid. I could read people just like a book, like she could. And I have this huge connection now with like land and trees and the ocean and like nature in general. Like it just deepens as I get older and older. So I hope this was all helpful for you. My hope is that it's not so scary and that some of these things may have resonated and will give you something to think about if you're having a child or who's experiencing these things and it feels overwhelming, like you're not alone. Again, you can reach out, you can message me on Instagram, you can book a call with me, you can, you know, whatever you need. If you need a reference, I can find you someone near you if you want to start with that, What whatever works best for you. Again, it's not as weird as I think people think it is, and it's not as uncommon as I think people think it is. It's just not really talked about. So I hope it brought some voice to the conversation, and I hope if you do have Uh, a young one who's going through it, it is going well. And again, reach out if you have any questions. And I hope you have a great one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave me a review or rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you found this episode helpful, feel free to share with friends. And if you're interested in getting a reading from me, you can book directly on jencostamedium.com. Have an awesome day. And thanks for taking the time to listen.